In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, missionaries. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble, wishing you a very happy, healthy, and safe holiday. Vince and I, um, we're, we're eating. <laughs> He's with his family. I'm with my family. We're doing the thing, and we know you're doing it, too. But in passing, you may want a little bit of me show to listen to. So we're giving it to you. We're giving you a blast from the past. We're throwing it back for Thanksgiving, and we're going to one of the more one of the more classic episodes of the Me Show Mission. It's from, I guess maybe in I in our second year, but it's a show that's been referenced uh, quite often. And it's finally remembered, and it created a ringtone for one of our listeners. So, so hopefully you'll enjoy it too. So sit back, relax as the Me Show Mission brings you. Episode 81, our review of Driving Miss Daisy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, what's up? This is Vincent Williams. It's All Soul Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on GTownRadio.com. Nicely done, Vince. You like that, right? I do. I like nailed that. the landing. I you did. Sure did. I did. It's like 9.5 all across. Uh-oh, the Russian judge <laughs> gives me an 8.9. Eh, that damn curve. Crowd done like that. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are... Um, Reviewing an Academy Award winning yes, film it did. for Best Picture. Best Picture. It sure did. Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Although, did you notice Morgan Freeman got top billing? He did get top yeah. billing. Yeah. He very much did. And Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd showing up every couple of scenes, stealing money from the studio. <laughs> In Driving Miss Daisy. Hoke, you're my best friend. My mother's a little high strung. The fact is, you'd be working for me. She can say anything she likes, but she can't fire you. I wouldn't be in your shoes if the sweet Lord Jesus come down and asked me himself. I don't need you. I don't want you. And I don't like you saying I'm rich. What are you doing? I'm trying to drive you to the stove. 
you're speeding, I can see it. We're only doing about 19 miles an hour. I like to go under the speed limit. But speed limit's 35, yeah. Nothing came easy. Morning, Miss Daisy. You leave my flower bed alone. They didn't connect. I just love a house of pictures, Miss Daisy. I don't want you nosing through my things. They couldn't agree. You took the wrong turn at Opelika. Well, now you took it with me, Miss Daisy. And you got the man. They wouldn't give in. Well, I'll help you to the door. Thank you, Hoke. I can help myself. Now, ain't just some back of the neck you look at while you're going wherever you got to go. I'm a man. But from place to place... I ever tell you about the first time I leave the state of Georgia? When was that? A few minutes back. <laughs> from season to season... It's not a Christmas present. Oh, no. Well, go on, open it up. Look at that. Ain't nobody never given me that book before, Miss Daisy. <laughs> For 25 years, they shared each other's lives. You ought not to be driving anything the way you see. How you know how I can see less than you can look out my eyes. And touched each other's hearts. Hulk? Yes. You're my best friend. Morgan Freeman. Jessica Tandy, Dan Aykroyd, Driving Miss Daisy. Did you have the air conditioning check? I told you to have the air conditioning check. <laughs> I don't know what for. You don't never allow me to turn it on. Hush up. Goodbye. Good luck. Good God. Driving Miss Daisy is a 1989 American comedy drama film directed by Bruce... Uh, Bursford. Mm-hmm. You can't even pronounce his name. You know why? You know why? Because don't nobody give a damn about him. Written by Alfred Urey, uh, based on his play of the same name. The film stars Jessica Tandy, Morgan Freeman, and Dan Aykroyd. Freeman reprised his role from the original off-Broadway production. The story defines Daisy and her point of view through a network of relationships and emotions by focusing on her home life, synagogue, friends, family, fears, and concerns over a 25-year period. At the 62nd Academy Awards in 1990, Driving Miss Davy received nine nominations, winning the Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Actress for Jessica Tandy, Best Makeup, and Best Adapted Screenplay. This film, which was wildly heralded at the time of its release by none other than Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel mm -hmm. um, of the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Tribune, um, respectively. Uh, is the selection of... It is. Vincenzo. It is. Before I begin, I wanted to ask you about those nine nominations. Yes. Hey, Lynn, was one of them for Best Director? No, it was not direct. Uh, it was nominated. not. Hey, Lynn, isn't that strange? It is. Strange. In fact, it's so strange. When did that happen before that? Let me help you. 1932. Hadn't happened since 1932 that a picture was nominated for Best Picture, but was not nominated for Best Director. I believe it was Billy Crystal who said it was the film that directed itself. Yes, it was. It's almost as if the awards that it got were based on politics and not merit. Mm, okay, I don't know if you. Say I'm that. just saying. I mean, I don't know if you can say that. I mean, I, that's mine. I mean, you. I mean, who made the movie? Like, this, you made the movie, Best Picture. You may say, 
1937. The year my mom was born. Also, the year that legendary writer Zora Neale Hurston publish her, publishes her famous novel. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Their eyes were watching God. The story of Janie and Janie's growth through three relationships as we watch her fully become herself. As the novel opens, do you want to pull back on that mic? <laughs> Janie is returning to town. Yes. After her lover Tea Cake has died. As she walks into this town, Zornor Hurston describes the scene as all the black people in town are watching Janie coming in. And she says, and I quote directly from the text. The people all saw her come because it was sundown. The sun was gone, but he had left his footprints in the sky. It was the time for sitting on porches beside the road. It was the time to hear things and talk. These sitters had been tongueless, earless, eyeless conveniences all day long. Mules and other brutes had occupied their skins, but now the son and the boss man were gone. So the skins felt powerful, inhuman. They became lords of sound and lesser things. They passed nations through their mouths. They sat in judgment. Third paragraph, first page. And in 250 pages after this, this is the only time Zora Neale Hurston references the fact that everybody in this novel, for the most part, is a domestic and a worker and some type of laborer for the white people. Mm-hmm. Because Zora Neale Hurston understands that this does not define these people's lives. Right. 11 years before this, 1926, Elaine Locke, in his seminal essay, The New Negro, Mm-hmm. where he's introducing an audience to Langston Hughes, Conte Cullen, all of these new writers and artists coming out of Harlem and urban centers doing all this stuff. He says, this is not a quote, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. that the term new Negro is actually a misnomer because the old Negro has never existed. The shuffling, coonish, Tom, good Tom, happy just rambling, yes, a boss Negro has only existed in the white imagination. Hmm. He's never actually been a real person. Hmm. Now, I'm not just trying to show how clever I am by pulling up these things. But for almost a hundred years, black people have been talking about this bullshit with this stuff. Okay. Of these servants and these, these people that exist. Hoke and it said in No Hope Colburn. Yes. Because I had to look it up because they said his whole name, what, one time? Like at the very beginning, did they say it? Yes. Because I didn't hear it. But they said, apparently, he's, he says it one time. Hoke is not even a person. He has no interiority. He has no, no, no hopes, no dreams, no thoughts, no weaknesses, no emotions. He has nothing. That is not attached to Miss Daisy. I will now tell you all of the facts that I've gleaned about Hoke's life. An hour in, Hoke mentions he has a daughter. Yes. I, 
a lot. I'm lying. At the very beginning, he mentions that he doesn't want to work too far away from his grandchildren. Yes. He says that. An hour later, he says he has a daughter. Mm-hmm. At the very end, his granddaughter, who teaches a Spellman, drops him off. Mm-hmm. That's all we know about Hoke. I don't know if Hoke is married. I mean, I assume he's married. He has on a wedding ring, but he don't mention no wife. I don't know if he's a widower. I don't know where he lives. I don't know why he's working for this woman. I don't know anything about Hoke. Okay. Hoke's whole existence mm-hmm. is there for Miss Daisy. And this is like this is like patient zero of this thing. And we have it this conversation every couple of years Hollywood wheels out one of these movies with these black servants okay. that have no life whatsoever no that that's worth exploring except in reference to the white main character and what they do okay so there's that and there's you know we talk about the politics of that and this that and other but you know what I'm so glad that I watched this movie today because what I realized is that I saw it the first time and I think I was so enraged I couldn't even see straight. And then I saw it again, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. I mean, I saw it with my father and he and I argued throughout the movie, so I didn't even really pay attention to it. But watching it today, this is what I realized about driving Miss Daisy. It ain't even that good. It ain't even that good. Morgan Freeman is in second gear the whole movie. He's just this walking cliche. Mm-hmm. He just sort of talks. Mm-hmm. Jessica Tandy is I. Jessica Tandy could not have been in Steel Magnolias. We joked last week after it was. I don't think we. I don't, do we? Do we talk about Cocoon on the mic? I don't. Remember. I don't know if we talked about, but we talked about so. Cocoon. And I said her Academy Award. They Donna Meachie her. Donna Michi won the Academy Award in um three years prior for Cocoon. for Cocoon. And it's really just it was just part of this Life Achievement Award. Life Achievement old Hollywood stroke fest that Hollywood was going through at this moment. I forgot Jessica Tandy was in Cocoon. You know why I forgot? Cause she ain't do nothing. She's very okay. Jessica Tandy is not even really a character. Like there are no actual characters in this movie. Like their relationship from the moment she actually gets in the car mm-hmm. when they drive to the Piggly Wiggly and she's sort of crotchety mm-hmm. but good natured and he's sort of wise and all knowing and, and infinitely patient with her all the way to the end when on Thanksgiving he comes to feed her pa. He didn't come to feed her pa. He came to see her. Well, Dan Aykroyd brought him to see her on. Th- and you know what, Lynn? And I mean this. This is a document. I love you like a brother. I really do. I wish for God you'd call me on Thanksgiving and want me to do something. <laughs> if you call me on Thanksgiving, talking about Vince, I need you to do something. It better be the hot of body. And somehow I'm implicated in the murder. So much so, I joked about it when you start talking. Everybody knew this was some old symbolic stuff. Late 80s, a lot of stuff going on, turbulent times, lots of people, lots of white people felt untethered to the world. This made them feel good. This is an old-timey, feel-goody, 
back when people knew their place and the blacks were smiling and they had a wonderful relationship with them. Robert Monroe Jr. just talked about a few weeks ago the person calling in one of the old darky movies. This is an old darky movie made in 1989. So much so that it won a best picture and the damn director won even nominated. I don't know why you think about the, nom- the, the director in this thing. Draven Miss Daisy. I will agree that Driving Miss Daisy did not deserve to win the Academy Award for Best Picture that year. I will I'll I'll I'm right with that. Um there were other more worthy nominees. Uh, My Left Foot was nominated that year and I think Born on the 4th of July also was nominated that year. Was it cuz I, I it, well I, I thought it was Field of Dreams and um... I was pretty sure that it was Born on the Field 4th of July and My Left Foot. I know it was My Left Foot because um, I always thought that was because Daniel Day Lewis yeah. beat out Morgan Freeman right. for Best Actor, um, and he should have. But I always thought my left foot was overrated. You thought so? I did. I never thought it was good as good as everyone made it out to be. It was stunt. It was stunt acting. <laughs> okay, I didn't think it was stunt acting, yeah. but you know, if you... I didn't know Born on the Fourth of July was nominated that year. Yeah. Oh, that uh, really is a yeah. Crime. The best pictures were uh, nominated for Best Picture were Born a. Born on the Fourth of July. Oh, that should have won. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Which My is Left okay. Foot. Overrated. Dead Poet Society. Doesn't age that well. Driving Miss Daisy. This bullshit. Okay, let's mark that time. Yeah. Um, Keep so- a nimble finger because that's going to come up. <laughs> I'm going to just let you know the phrase, this bullshit right here, <laughs> is probably going to come up again. Well, at least it's clumped together. All right. Um, so I'll agree that it didn't deserve to win the best picture. Um, however, it, just going over some of your points, you do learn a bit more about Hulk's life in this movie. You learn about his daughter. You also um, learn that his daughter traveled because she's seen the world. She was married to a Pullman she was a, Yes, right. Married right. to a Pullman Porter, mm-hmm. which got her to, to go outside of Georgia and, and to actually see parts of the country. Yes. In whatever way it, it does allow. Yes. Okay? Yes. I tell um, you about the first time I let Georgia meet Daddy. It was just a couple of minutes ago. No, Hulk, you haven't. It hadn't yet a couple minutes ago. <laughs> Let's go share Coke on the side of the road because that's al- what black people and white people do he, in 1961. He also mentions that he does mention that he is a widow, a widower, and that his wife had died. When? He, he, when does that happen? He mentions that um, I believe it's early on when when he's walking with Dan Aykroyd to his office. I believe that's when he mentions it. Okay. It's either then, it's either then or he mentions it to um, Esther Rolls' character, the maid, uh, Ida May. Ida May. Um, but he does mention. Okay. How, how he is a widower. I didn't hear it. Okay. Uh, and of course, you heard him speak about his his granddaughter. Yes, his granddaughter at the end who drove him over. On right, but but he, but he spe- speaks affectionately about his granddaughter because, as you mentioned in the beginning, he mentions about not wanting to. Yes. You know, yeah. live live uh, far away from them. This, far... this quilt that you're sewing. And he also mentions he also mentions that you know 
the reason why he's taking on this job is because this was the job that he had had for a number of years um, because he was driving for, I believe, a judge yes. in in the town. And the only reason he no longer drove for that judge is because that judge died. Yes, but why is he driving that? Like, like what's he driving for? Like, what's, what's the purpose of it? Well, that was his like job. His, his children are grown. That was his job. So he, he still, he still, the, the man still made, was making Lynn, money. Lynn, people work jobs for a reason. Yes, he wanted to make money. For what? He's, he should be retired. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. We'll talk, we'll talk. I'm sorry. You're so, not- first of all, let's not make like there's not a whole lot of people, even now in 2017, that are in their 60s and 70s still getting up at the crack of dawn, going to work. Why? Because they have to. Yes, but I'm saying there's nothing in this that points to he has to. That's actually my point exactly. Like, the text makes you think that this is like his calling. No, it doesn't think. No, no, that's not true. Like, there's nothing that says I need to feed my children. I need to take care of some people. I need to pay some bills. Like, there's no exchange that lets you think that I have to do this. Then I I, I disagree because the inference that I get from the movie is that he's he is driving. Yes, his his daughter is is. Is grown, so he no longer has his daughter, and his wife is and his wife has died. He doesn't want to just sit around. He never says that, though. I think that I think it is inferred. It's inferred because once he does get the job, despite Miss um, Daisy's you know apprehension to having him do anything, all he is do all he does is spend those first few days looking for things to do. To keep to keep himself busy because that's because that's why he still has a job to keep to, to keep busy to have something to do to have a reason to get up in the, in the morning at whatever age he is I think they they market that he's about ten or twelve years younger yeah. than Miss Daisy so which and she's in her early seventies in the beginning of the movie so it puts him in his early sixties so late fifties early sixties. So is it giving him a reason to get up? I think that is very much inferred let's, in the movie. Let's put a pin in that because I don't want to get too caught up. Keep going, keep going. So I because I don't buy that. So let's talk about that a little later. Feel free, go ahead, feel go free ahead, go ahead. That. But I think it's go there ahead. in the text, as yeah. you say. Yeah, um, it's not because, like you said, you had to infer it. Well, so I, it's not in the text. Well, not everything. There are some things. That, okay, maybe it's not in the text but i think that it i know i think it's in the text of the script which may just be the 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 actions that the script sees uh sees played out go ahead because i have some questions about but go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead i also recognize that while I don't consider this an african-american film i do however recognize that you you cannot you cannot have this film without Morgan Freeman and Ida Mae's character being African-American. So it, it does kind of like fit into our genre. But I also recognize that this movie is about their friendship, but it is also predominantly about Miss Daisy. Right. This is Miss Daisy's story. It is driving Miss Daisy. And it's not and and, and it's driving Miss Daisy literally because that's what he's doing, but it also is uh subtly uh be, because it's about 
driving this woman who is awash in white privilege that she has no 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 awareness of mm-hmm. you know because she is simply a, a byproduct of her, of her time and driving her to the uh revelation of who she actually is and to uh to the point where she either has to come to grips with it or suffer the consequences and you can make an argument whether or not she actually ever does come to grips with it or more to the point suffers the consequences i would argue that she actually does just suffer the consequences which are what the consequences are that she lives primarily a solitary life where she does find herself reluctantly that yes the deepest, truest relationship that she has developed in her life is with someone whom she would have never, ever thought she would develop. Uh, she would develop that relationship with. She she would never seek to develop that relationship with. She had perfectly plenty of opportunity to develop the same relationship that she did with with Hope. As with Ida May, Ida May had been there from since the since Dan Aykroyd was a little boy, raised him. Mm-hmm. You know, she had plenty of opportunity to develop there, but she but she never did. One because she was probably she was probably younger and her, and her white privilege sure. was super strong at that time. You know, it was a, it was a mighty shield around her, and um, plus God knows what the times were as as that whole situation was playing out, and Ida May as had been played played in this movie uh it was a woman who boom stayed in her lane and she knew that she was going to i'll stay in my lane you stay in your lane and we'll get along meanwhile hulk maybe because of the relationship that he may may have had with the judge that who whom he was driving maybe a byproduct of what that job uh is maybe is a byproduct of the reason why he's brought on to this job and and how he comes to get that job from from Dan Aykroyd who kind of like you know tell kind of like lays it on the line that it's not yes you're going to be a chauffeur but you know it's going to be a little bit more because you're gonna you know my mom's going through some stuff 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 like like that um looks to develop some type of rapport. I think he. I think he's only honestly just looking for a rapport with her because you just need it. As you, it was, I have a question. What about the women that she played? Was it Mahjong? I never know how to pronounce that. Mahjong. Mahjong. What, what about the women that she played Mahjong with? And the women. Those she were went, not. Those were not her friends. Why, why weren't they her friends? Those were not her friends. Those were the people in her social circle. So why weren't they her friends? They weren't her friends because. Don't flail around. You're about to make up something no, because I'm not. they never talk about it. No, they don't. It's th- never acknowledged. It's never. Acknowledged. It's never addressed. It's it's it is addressed. Okay, it speak is on how it's addressed. It's addressed in the very cold way in which they play mahjong. It's just about the the game. It's mm-hmm. not. It's you don't you don't see any uh, 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 conversation 
that explores each other's life. Like, oh, let me tell you about this. You don't see any of that. And I think, and I think that's deliberate. Then it's also addressed that when she comes out of the synagogue and yes. Hoke is waiting there for her, the first thing in her mind is, oh my God, what do, what do they think? Right. You know, not that, you know, like as Hoke points out, there was like about three or four other chauffeurs right behind me, yes. you know, who more than, more than likely were probably for those women. Well, you know? yeah, there was, yeah, it was a lot of them. But, she, but she doesn't even think that all she immediately thinks about what they must be thinking about her. Um, and you know, Oh my God, about the impression that I must be setting a, another window into the world of her relationship with them, the detachment from a true friendship that it is. And the third thing is that when the next time you do see them a few years later playing Mahjong at that table, they're basically going through the same same thing. They're just playing the games, making a little stupid jokes about the game. And you can, you can see just a, a, a quick light of boredom come across her face. And that's why she gets up and walks to the kitchen, if only for a brief moment, to see what they are doing. She already knew what they were doing. She knew they were watching the, watching the thing. She just wanted, in her own, you know, you know, curmudgeoningly, I'm, I, I don't want to go for this way. She wanted to be a part of what they were doing. And that's why she walks to that into that kitchen to see what Hoke and Ida Mae are watching. And she already knows it. She already knows exactly what they're watching. Okay. So, so it it is spoken about in that film. This is a very thin. That's not thin. Spread. That's, it's not. Yourself. It's one. It's one. This is very. There is the. It's movie. a lot of interpretation and inference here, Mister Webb. But that's but the best movies. Oh my God! No, the, you. Okay, go ahead. The, the best, best movies, movies don't spell everything out for right, you. Right, right. But it does do something. Yes, and this movie does. It's a little cursory. This movie. This movie does. Here's the other thing. Here's, a, here's another thing I'll give you. Because I've heard a lot of people, and I think that you have even inferred this at all as well, if, through your little, you know, backhanded jokes, you know, who have, I'll say, a problem with Morgan Freeman's portrayal of Hoke. Is in this it's movie. tough. It is a little rough. I'll give it. And I didn't remember how rough it was until I rewatched the movie. Because <laughs> you've heard so many people make jokes about it that you can't even believe that this was actually it. Yes. However. Okay. However. However. Now, this is not in the movie. Oh, I know. I'll give this. Give you <laughs> okay, this. Okay. What is your reading? Is of, what is your reading of, of, of Morgan Freeman's portrayal of Hoke? But the reason why... <laughs> I've been waiting for this all day. <laughs> the reason why I can ride with his portrayal of Hoke, it's because it reads to me like a more serious, mannered, yet just as, you know, over the top, uh, um, Betrayal of Richard Pryor's 
Mudbone character. No, not at all. I do not at all. I, I that's not at how all. I read it. No, well, you know, then you I, obviously have never actually listened to Mudbone, I've which listened to I know every, isn't true. I have listened to every Mudbone, everything that Mudbone. Has I done. know you have. That's why I know you're just reaching right now. I'm not reaching. Mudbone not reaching. is so extraordinarily intelligent. He is that you know that Mudbone is putting on. Ooh. With his speech, Ooh, with no, his playfulness no, of no, language. No, no, no. Mudbone is putting no, on. He's not putting Mudbone on. is Mudbone doing is the signifying monkey. No, Mudbone is Richard no, Pryor. Mudbone is so smart. He is smart. That you know that there is an aspect of Mudbone where he wants you to drop your guard and think that he's dumber than he is. But I'm saying, I'm saying, but there is none of that the, in Hoke. The closest you get no, to that's, it, that's the true. closest you get to Hoke maybe being smarter than he appears to be is that that kind of weird negotiation about his salary that is so ham-fisted and so over the top and it's just another opportunity for Dan Aykroyd who I said at the beginning just stole the studio's money he just shows up every couple of scenes and goes oh mama or oh Hoke or oh you too like he's just sort of you scamps you old scamps I'm like that is a damn shame Dan Aykroyd took these people's money and just just kind of shows up and does it every day. There is not one no. moment no. where Hoke is anything other than what he appears to be. Again, he has no interiority. He has no anything. Like that whole thing, and I'm you know, I tried to wait a minute. You know, Hoke don't have nothing to do, and Hoke is Hoke is just trying to fill the days. Like, Hoke ain't Hoke 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 ain't a Mason. Hoke ain't an elk. Hope don't fish. Hope don't hunt. Okay. Hope don't have no friends. Hope don't want to spend no time with his family. Hope don't have no, because you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, but the men in my family, like you said, it started when he was 60. Hope one, the 60 year old man ain't necessarily finished with the ladies. Hope don't have no ladies. Hope don't drink. But the Hope movie don't is not, gamble. But again, Hope the movie is not about hope. Again, the movie is about Miss. No, Daisy. no, no. And and this sort of goes back to what I said about this friendship, this or, or the lack of friendship with her peers in the Jewish community. Yes, this is a movie about their relationship. Like I will grant you that she is the one we spend the most time with. Yes, but this is a film about their relationship. No, it is about their relationship, so that, but I think it's primarily from her so point of that view. There is no reason for Hoke to be in this relationship that I'm not, you know, I keep hearing about it's a friendship. I'm not really sure where the friendship part is, but let's say it's a friendship. Like, there is nothing in the film that says, you know what? Another great black philosopher Maceo from a tribe called from a de la soul says on the grand date my father drove a bus my father hated driving a bus but my father loved his kids so therefore he drove the bus okay every black person in the history of black people that had to work at one of these shitty jobs worked them because they loved their kids 
and they love their family. Yes. And I don't want to be a chauffeur and deal with these white people's bullshit. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a maid. I don't want to do whatever it is I got to do. But you know what? I got family that I love, that I have to do what I need to do. Yes. To feed them. Yes. This whole weird vein of American culture mm-hmm. where it's not enough that, that you know, we, we talked about nothing like a man. It's not enough that the whole economy has been configured that the only work you can get is this kind of work. Somehow, black people also got to love it, too. Like, like, like people aren't happy unless we're happy yeah, in, this, in this world. And this is a prime example of it. Like I don't you, think they play him as like this man that is, is like, like drop-dead happy at his he job. He is no. content But they are playing him as a job. man. You gotta remember this movie starts in the, early, in the mid-40s. Yes. And in the mid-40s, he's already 60 years old. Yes. So he's lived in a different America. He's grown up in a different America. Yes, and? So in, in the America that he grew, grew up in, that he worked his way through this is where he is he did what you said he didn't like driving maybe he didn't like driving for the judge maybe he didn't like it maybe he solely did it for his for his kids right right? or daughter we don't know if he has or for his daughter we don't know Right. We don't know. We don't know. But we know he had a daughter. We know he has a daughter. So he so he did That's it for what his they said. daughter. We never saw her. We don't know her name, but apparently he had one. Go ahead. He did these it, great friends. He did it for for <laughs> these great friends. Oh, Hope, you're my only friend. I don't know your children's name or how many of them that you have, but go it's ahead. It's not about him. It's about her. Yes, that's a shortcoming of hers. That's that's not a, a, a supposed to be some great reflection on his feelings for her. It's supposed to be a great a, a, a reflection on her and where her life is at that point. That's mm-hmm. what it, I mean. While it is about their relationship, it's primarily about her. Okay, go ahead. Go and ahead, her go relationship ahead, go with ahead, him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go All right. All right. So, so that's why that that scene is not supposed to be him, like you know, best friends. So, so how how come he's how come he's working there well into the seventies? Well, well into the sixties. Why is he working there, Lynn? Why is he working there? Because that's his job. He don't need this job. You don't know what he doesn't. First of all, that's not fair. You don't know whether or not you know just what? like you, you know what? Mister, it's not you know, in the text. You know what? You don't know whether or right. not he needs you know, the job. You know what? You're right. I don't know because it never comes up. Because it's not important it to the film. It is important. No, it is not. It is important to you. No, no. It's not important no, to Lynn, this film. It is important. If you tell me, and yes. everybody since 1989 has who, who defends this movie has been saying it, this is a film, because again, I'm going to keep pushing you. This is not about Miss Daisy. It is about Miss no, Daisy. No, this is a film about their friendship. It's about that too. No, not to the end. This is about their friendship. Because even when you get a little peek, like I'm a rod with you a little bit, like just because I because I love you and you and I have a friendship, I'm a rod with you a little bit with this her mahjong crew. And if I look at if I look at their eyes and and I kind of if I pause the film, if I pause the film and so she's looking off and and that's this great subtle moment in a film filled with subtlety that you know her saying that she really is not friends with them even if i rod with you with that 
The main characteristic of her character is that she is Jewish in the South. Yes. Is that true? Yes. They barely even kind of like they kind of like like I was I was looking for something interesting. Like they had this one little detail where Dan Aykroyd's wife has these aspirations to be part of the Christian community and they do Christmas stuff, the Christian community. And she does all this Christmas stuff. And she says, Miss Daisy says at one point that she will run all around with these people and she won't give a drink of water to anyone down at the temp at temple. Yes. And I said, Oh, we about to get into some, 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 you know, about being Jewish in the South in the sixties. No, we're not. Now it's time for frying chicken and teaching him how to read. And, you know, you I, I got to tell I got to make water, Miss Daisy. And it's like now we're back to this so that I don't think this film cares about Daisy as a person, because, again, she is barely sketched out as a character. This is a film that fetishizes, again, this weird fantasy about black white friendships but when the black friend is always in the subservient role. That's all it is. Can I say something nice about it? Can I say something nice about Miss Daisy? Go ahead. I think the set design is spectacular. I love I love the set. I actually love the, the cinematography. Like it's that weird kind of eighties sepia tone that they do mm-hmm. with with that like eighties schmaltzy mm-hmm. sentim- sentimental films. Like I mean, we talked about Field of Dreams. Like Field of Dreams is lit that way too. Mm-hmm. Like the scene with the ice storm, mm-hmm. I thought was amazing. I thought that was good. I, I love the costumes. It, I, well, I, it, I love the costumes yeah, and, too. And, and it got it got nominated. Well, yeah. for makeup and I think for set direction. Um, I, I can understand why this film didn't get nominated for best director though. Okay, because. I felt that the direction was professional. Yes. Well done. Absolutely. But I don't think that it, it stood out right. in any way. I think what carries it is the acting. And I think that... Um, you thought Jessica Tandy was good? I didn't think she was good. You thought she was good? I thought she was good. Could she have been in Steel Magnolias? I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I've seen Steel Magnolias uh, once. And I had, don't... How have you seen Steel Magnolias once, but you've seen this... More than once. I like this more. Boy, have you wasted your time with 80s old white lady movies. Well, first of all, I didn't really like rush to steal Magnolias because to me, to me, like if I want to see like an old 80s, like like white people movie, like right. this is a tearjerker. Right, but old ladies, old, old white ladies. Well, though. I don't, first of all, I don't need to see old white ladies. Okay. But if I need just one old white lady yeah. in a movie and it's a tearjerker, I go straight to the one that makes me cry every single time I watch it, and that's Terms of Endearment. Okay, all right. I mean, and, and if you see Terms of Endearment. I thought you were going to say Beaches. Please. If you oh. if you see Terms of Endearment, you don't need you don't, Beaches and you don't, you don't need, need Steel just, Magnolia. Yeah. You don't need none of them. I mean, that's a good one. You watch Terms of Endearment, that's it. That's you think, all that's you done. Think, you think Jessica Tandy rises like she could have been in Terms of Endearment? No, I think Shelly, I think uh, uh, Shirley McLean is a better actress. Okay. All right. uh, um, especially for that role. Right. I don't think that, I don't think Jessica Tandy could have played that role. Right. right. And then you said you're not a Steel Magnolia's dude, which is a better question because there are significant old white lady roles in Steel Magnolias. So Isn't Steel Magnolias Bette Midler? No, that's Sally Field and Dolly Parton and Daryl Hannah and 
I'm Shirley, a Dallas, and, I'm a, and, I'm a and Shirley McLean and I'm a, I, I'm and a, um not Angelica Houston, but there's a, I, I'm her. She's right in front of my eyes. But yeah, like to me, that's like that's maybe uh, I watch nine to five. Jessica Tandy's just old. I watch nine to five, and then I watch the first season of Golden Girls. Jessica Tandy, <laughs> just old. No, I thought she. I thought she was good. She just what? What? When? Where? Give me the scene. Give me what? Where's the package? Show me the package that they put together and they mailed to the academy. Like, show me what was on the videotape that said Jessica Tandy driving Miss Daisy. What? What scene? The scene where she spots the missing can of salmon. You mean where she plays crotchety? I thought that was a well done scene. I thought she was good in that scene. Yeah, she was, I thought she played it all the way till the end, where she like basically sends her she son just off, sort of crotchety, and just like you know, like. And then he goes, "Oh, mama." He doesn't go, "Oh, mama." He doesn't say anything. I inferred that that's what he says because that's what he does. <laughs> he just sort of Dan Aykroyd just sort of shakes his head. Oh, mama. Oh, hoak. Oh, hoak. Oh, mama. You scamps in that house. I mean, because certainly in 1961, bringing this strange black man in the house. That wasn't 1961, just, that was I'm in the 50s. So, oh, I'm sorry. The 1950s, <laughs> bringing a strange black man to the house and let him, they just get into these hijinks. That's completely realistic, too. That's the other. This whole film is science fiction. It's like the whole. Like I kept waiting. Like I kept waiting for like Star Lord's father to land the ship and Kurt Russell to get out and like plant some stuff. Submit it for your approval. Right. <laughs> like what is what is this? One Miss Daisy. Yeah. Like but the black people are all sassy. I'm like they real sassy for being yeah, in a the, place first of all, first where of all, somebody was lynched to black from people. Here. Wasn't black people being sassy? It was Ida May. Yeah, Ida May. Ida May was being she was she being a little sassy, sassy because of the, where their relationship was at that point. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. That didn't ring true to you. Um. No, it didn't. <laughs> you don't know. No. You don't know. And Hulk was a little sassy early on too. Mid days, you got this fine car. Why don't you get on in here walking to the Piggly Wiggly? It's like, wow, he that's a whole lot of bass in his voice uh, talking to on, a white come woman on, in nineteen forty eight. Come on, Vince. Come on, Vince. I mean, that type of stuff happens in movie both ways. No. It happens both ways. No. It, <sighs> no. And and not a movie that's supposed to be kind of based on like reality. Well. I'm just saying, like, I'm not making up the fact that black people were terrorized psychologically and physically for less than what these people do in this movie. No, they they, they were. They were. That's true. It also is true that there were some black people whose lives at that time were closer to what is portrayed in this film as opposed to the other. The I'm so glad you said that. Because now you're talking about possible. I'm not talking about possible. I'm talking about it's true. As, I didn't say it wasn't true, but you said it's possible. I mean, it's true, but it's possible versus probable. Because I knew this was going to come up. There's been a zoo in Atlanta since 1899. Since 1899, it's been a couple of dozen 
incidents at the zoo. Animals escape. Snakes. They had a snake issue in the Atlanta Zoo during the 80s for some reason. This whole notion of there were some black people that kind of sort of has some relationships like this would be like if every movie I made about Atlanta, there was a scene in a subplot about orangutans breaking into people's houses and stealing food because some orangutans had broken out of the zoo. It happened. Stuff animals have escaped from the Atlanta Zoo. That has happened, Lynn. There have been times that it has been possible and it has happened that in Atlanta, animals have escaped from the zoo so that if every film from now on about Atlanta has some little subplot about some escaped animals, Mm -hmm. this is the same as this faithful black servant deal that possibly could have happened in the black people and they had these relationships with these nice white people that they worked for and God bless them and now let's and then every five ten years we make I mean we just talked about this with the help we just finished talking about that the help talk has just died down which makes me think that they about to come up with another like in the next three years it's going to be another movie about 1961 and some kindly kindly wise Filled with sage advice, Negro servants. Wasn't that the butler? Well, I mean, well, the butler too. You know, to dispense wisdom. Dispense wisdom to people. You and I both have gray in our beards. Have we got, are we supposed to be dispensing wisdom to white people? I just realized that. He doesn't dispense wisdom in this movie. He's a, he's a little wisdom dispensing. Uh. When he actually shows up, his the first time he shows up, they actually play the magic, true. the magic That's Negro true. music, and he fixes the elevator. That's true. And I actually wrote in my notes, this N word is actually magical. That's true. And that's how they introduce you to him. And then he, he wasn't magical. He just knew. He just, he just, he just he knew what he just to knew. Push. I mean, I don't. He, it's not like he went up there like the fonts. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know how he. I mean, because he must not have read the instructions because he couldn't read. Hey, Lynn, how did that enhance the plot? The fact that he couldn't read. How did that pay off? It doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know my letters, Miss Daisy. I, I, I make a, I know the, the some of the sounds that they make, but I don't really know. But oh, Hulk, if you know the sounds, you could. I said this bullshit right. What is this bullshit right here? <laughs> and it went on. Why is that scene so long, Lynn? Why is it scene so long with him sounding out the letters and finding the tombstone? I mean, you because well, I'll be hunkered down, and then he used some type of weird home down home. I'll be, I'll be a spitting fiddle filled with buttermilk. That sure is what it is. Well, I'll be a catfish's whiskers. Well, I'll be and roll down the hill and break my crown. Okay, that thing could have been maybe <laughs> edited a wee bit, but but it, it was still. A nice, you know. This is terrible. <laughs> this film is terrible. I like 
the movie. You should be ashamed of yourself. Why should I be ashamed of myself? Because this is a terrible movie. No, it's not a terrible movie. Dehumanizes you as a black man. It does not. It does. I don't feel like that's it. I don't feel dehumanized. Do you know what? I don't feel. Go out there and give some white people some advice, Lynn. I don't go give some know. advice. I, go well, be kindly. I actually gave a, a white person advice this week. Were you kindly? Were you kindly, Lynn? I was. Uh, Were you kindly? I actually was. Does he know about your family? Does he know about your job? It was a, does he it know was about a young your, girl. Does, does she know about your hopes and dreams no. and aspirations? No. So she actually went home and said, This magical black man gave me some advice. Yes, actually, that's that's uh, that's exactly what she did. Well, I have no desire to be anybody's magic black man, except for my wife. But yeah, and again, this is ground zero. Like this is the mo- like this is you know we took and then you know again it ain't even that good. Like it is a good movie. It is not a good movie. It Lynn. is. It's well. It's 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 well it's, what? It's well what? <laughs> it's well what? Because you just said you didn't like the direction. It's well acted. Really, Lynn? I think Jessica Tandy is good in it, and I I'm sorry. You think I'm Jessica so- Tandy is good in this? I think she's good in it, and I do read Morgan Freeman. I look at it through the lens of Mudbone, and I can you, I, you I, know I can damn enjoy, well. I enjoy. Mud, this. You know what? Mudbone would take all of Hoax money in a card game. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that he. Yes, yes, he would. I I I enjoyed driving Miss Do you know how dumb Mudbone would call Hoax? <laughs> Do you know what Mudbone would say about Hoke? What would he say, Vince? Well, I'm not going to use the words that Mudbone would use. You've been using them all night. I'm going to say this. Mudbone ain't doing nothing with no Hoke. I don't know how Hoke lived to be as old as he was. I ain't never seen no old black man this stupid in my life. I ain't no black man could be this stupid and live this long. see, See, I don't think Hoke was stupid. I don't think he was a stupid man. Well, outside of the magic. I don't think he was a stupid man. I I enjoyed his character. I enjoyed this film. I do not necessarily believe that it is a black film. However, I can understand it. On a scale of one to Shawshank Redemption, where do you put this? At Morgan Freeman performance? Uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's not... I, I, off the top of my head, I don't think that I would put this in, like in his top five or anything like that. You wouldn't put this in his top five. No, but you like it. I, li- I like the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like the movie. Yeah, right. I like the movie. Mm-hmm. I do. Right. I mean, maybe ultimately it doesn't go in the top ten. Off the top of my uh-huh. head, I I'm, I I don't know. I, I'm not mm-hmm. even sure if I can come up with five. Uh-huh. Well, no, I can come up with. And five, I can't uh, ask you about Jessica Tandy's performance because. You know, I thought she was good. No, I'm talking about when in, in her list of performances because I'm not. I, I I'm not. She, I'm not as well versed in because she didn't do really anything that. Dandy. You know, I think she won a Tony at some point when she was like 20. Okay, and yeah. she's married to Hume Hume Crone. She's married to Hume Crone, but yeah, Jessica, she's just old. Uh, well, I, I I I I I mean, hey, I thought she was good. I thought she was good. And then, hey, and if you think that she's just old, there's a whole lot of people that, you know, are just old and skating on just being old. You're right. Like Jessica Tandy in this. No, 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 no. I, th- I, th- I thought she was good. So, 
Would you recommend? People? I would absolutely recommend Driving Miss Daisy. I think everyone should watch Driving Miss Daisy. I think people should study watching Miss Daisy because, as I've said before, I've alluded to it and said, but now I will say it right now. I have known since 1989 that the Academy Awards last one, Lynn, was some bullshit because of Driving Miss Daisy. When Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated. And driving Miss Daisy. This wasn't that year. Do the right thing. It was nineteen ninety. No, this was. It was the same year. This was the same. That was always the thing. That was always Spike Lee's thing. That the year that this won, Do the Right Thing wasn't even nominated. It was nominated for a couple of other things, mm-hmm. but not this. Then the fact that it won Best Picture and it didn't win Best Director. Like once I realized what that meant. I said, oh yeah, the Oscars. Hey, I don't pay, I ain't paid attention to the Oscars since that year. And again, they keep remaking it. They keep I feel like Whoopi Goldberg remade a version of this three, four times. She another one good to be in somebody's kitchen <laughs> offering wow. sage advice. Wow, you coming at people neck. It's like, damn, do you have a house? Like, do you people live anywhere? just kind of like they kind of put on these uniforms and go in the closet and then the next morning they come out and snap peas and give sage advice to these white people do do the right thing was nominated in the 1990 uh academy awards so it was not the night it was not the 1989 academy awards well then spike lee was wrong (laughs) and so were you yes i mean I swore it was the same year. No, it was not. It was the following year. Well, regardless, it won the best picture. <laughs> he said regardless. It won best picture. And from the moment, it won best picture. Because, again, if this was a Lifetime movie, I'd say, oh, that, you know what? That was, Like, my mom got her knee replaced. And, like, I was in the room with her all day kind of watching TV. Mm-hmm. And like if this came on Lifetime and they said, no, a special Lifetime film, Driving Miss Daisy. I said, you know what? That wasn't bad for a Lifetime film. Oh, no, you were right. It was the same year. I thought it was the same year. <laughs> it was the same year. Danny Aiello was uh, <clears throat> nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And well, he should have been. And he lost. But he, he should have. Well, who won that year? That was uh, the year that Denzel Washington won for Glory. I think Danny Aiello was better than Denzel Washington that year. I think Danny Aiello is better in Do the Right Thing than Denzel Washington is in, in Glory. And the irony about Do the Right Thing in this conversation, because eventually we'll get to Do the Right Thing, this whole notion of, of driving Miss Daisy kind of showing this cross-racial relationship and this friendship, mm. I have maintained for decades that the tragedy of do the right thing is that Mookie and Sal actually love each other. Yes, they do. Like this is they do actually and it's evident on the screen. Yo, don't get me do the right thing. Is no, 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 no. It's a better movie. I'm just saying. I'm just saying when they talk about because again, this this sort of the the politics of driving Miss Daisy okay. and then the the nostalgia and this sort of again, I think people people like this notion of a cross racial friendship. And everybody kind of went to this and right over is this much more substantive, beautiful relationship that is sort of 
affected by the world. Like the world actually affects this relationship where even at the end, these two men love each other where they fight over the hundred dollar bill. Yeah. And he's like, look at us. It's like, this is terrible because these two actually love each other. And then you get dry Miss Daisy. So, yes, I think everybody should watch Driving Miss Daisy. And don't drink when you watch it. Make sure you've had all your sleep. You need to be wide-eyed and attentive so that you can see what the Academy Awards said should be one of the best pictures. Well, you're right. I mean, that year... Do the Right Thing was clearly the best picture, and it was not nominated, um, and that, that is criminal. W- would you recommend Driving Miss Daisy? Lynn? I would. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> I would recommend Driving Miss Daisy, but... Here's the th- here's the thing. When it comes, to- <laughs> boy, it's tough when you're doing. Here's the thing. Usually, I'm here's the thinging. <laughs> when it comes to recommending movies, right? <laughs> I I always picture two people in my head, okay, of whom I'm recommending the movies to, because because I can't re- I can't choose like my girlfriend, uh, Tawana Lily Triple, because she loves everything. Okay. She gives everything a pass. That's nice. You know, she likes she likes driving mistakes. Well, you said she gives everything a pass. That falls into everything. Yeah, but she likes everything yeah. Tyler Perry. So, <laughs> so, so I always picture two people. Okay. And the people that I picture is one of my co-hosts on Black Tribbles. Okay. Eric, the okay. master Tribble, because right. he's a filmmaker. All right. And he's a big movie. Like he, he likes picking apart movies and stuff like that. We should have him on, Eric. Why have you not been on? He, he he'll make his way here. All right. Uh, and then the other one is Ariel, Ariel Johnson of <laughs> Malcolm Comics. I always picture those two. Oh my God, I would pay money to sit and watch this with Ariel. You see, and I, <laughs> when I think that I want to recommend this movie, I see them both hitting me upside the head. As they're watching the film. Oh my god, I would love to watch this with Ariel. Just slapping me upside the head. <laughs> Miss Daisy, I was going to have to stop. I got to make water. <laughs> How's I look? You're the man. <laughs> I like the movie. Okay? I like it. It's got issues. <laughs> I like it. It's like a run of detective comics. It's got a lot of issues. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think you should watch it, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so that's two recommendations. Absolutely. And let me know what you think. Because I think that there are people out there that may, <laughs> that may like it too. My father loves this movie. There you go. My father loves this movie. Your dad likes my, my it. My father loves driving this. And he's a man thing. of a certain age. He's a southern man of a certain so age. So he can, he can respect. He, my father, see? loves driving. How much time? Because cause I can see. Because see, here's the thing. Because here's the thing about back to why he worked there. So, and I know we're going long now, but this is important. So just like you said, it's possible 
oh, and these people, they work for it. And then this, uh, my father said the same thing about my great grandmother. Okay. Big mama worked for, I think the Anderson family worked for him for years. And she right. talked about a nice Anderson family. And then she left and she worked for, uh, um, high school cafeteria but for years she worked for the anderson family and my father said and big mama loved the anderson family and they were good people and this and another and i told my father that don't sound right that 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 she loved the anderson family a because you were a boy child and is your grandmother saying this to you and i've been around long enough to know that gendered stories right are told differently right but more importantly my grandmother my great grandmother's daughter, Annie Mae Williams, was, if not the first, one of the first insurance collectors, black women insurance collectors in the state of Alabama. And for those oh, wow. of you that don't know, black people would get insurance policies and people would go and collect yes. every every week, basically. For so that my grandmother always had large sums of cash and everybody knew she also had a pistol. And one afraid you like my grandmother was like a real badass. <laughs> and I knew that somewhere between Big Mama and Granny, the message had gotten through that this is not some work you want to do. So much so that my grandmother basically invented a job. She invented a brand new job for black women rather than work for somebody like this. Postscript to that. Years later, my first cousin, Aisha, a girl, lived with Big Mama and said, you know, and I was talking to Aisha. I said, yeah, you know, my dad always says Big Mama love. And she said Big Mama hated them people. The man was handsy and this, that, and the other. And everything that you hear about these black women working these jobs in these kitchens with these families. But she had to work. And she had kids. And she had to feed her kids. And if you asked her, she said, oh, well, they're good people. Ain't nothing wrong. I like the Andersons. But the real story was always different. Yes. And the problem is, in these films, these black people are only the black people that exist in the white imagination. Like, there's no way. Somebody going to have to show me a picture of, um, and I just forgot the playwright's name. Alfred Urie. Somebody going to have to show me a picture of Alfred Urie at a cookout playing spades. For me to believe that he knows some black people. Okay, but again, the movie is is about Miss Daisy. Yes, is it from his fractured? Does his look at the black experience come from his fractured point of view? Yes, it does. But I don't think he's trying to offer up any like you know deep tryst on the black exploitation on the black experience, and I don't think necessarily that it's it's wrong. If that's not his motivation, I keep you keep saying that, but I'm going back to this friendship. This is a film about their friendship. It's still yes, it is from their friendship. It's, it's their friendship, but it's their friendship as viewed primarily through her lens. You know what friends do? Friends know each other. Okay, but she don't know him. It it again. I point out that the friendship is clearly one sided. Oh, I don't know. It's how not. It's not. It it's, it's not a friendship of equal of equal terms. Except, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mean that Hope doesn't also still have some uh, uh, affection for her. It may not be the, the leaving your family on Thanksgiving morning. Like, like I ain't even gonna say he spent all day with her. 
but leaving your family on Thanksgiving morning, early afternoon to go spend some time with, that's a whole lot of affection. Well, okay. That is. And maybe you wouldn't do it. I don't know anybody that would do that. No, that I see that's, that is where you're wrong. Leave their family? There's a lot of people. Leave Vince, their family? Vince, Vince, there's a whole lot of people. There's a ton of people, a great many people who will get up in the morning on Thanksgiving and they will go and see a friend. They'll go see somebody indigent that they know or something like that because they know that the rest of their day they're going to be with their family or if their family for whatever reason is not in that area not a friend somebody you used to work for see but you're looking at it through that lens that there obviously is some level of affection on his part i think he i think he sincerely did feel that's the part that i found unrealistic well, that I, he has his affection. I, I don't. Like that's what I find unrealistic. I don't. I don't think his, his affection may not be on the same level that she feels for him, but I, 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 I don't find it unrealistic that he felt affection for her. Just like I don't think it's unrealistic. Well, where were the escape gorillas then? It, it doesn't. I don't think it is. It, there clearly is some level of affection in her relationship with Ida May, even though they are totally dis. Uh, disassociated throughout most of the movie there obviously is some level of affection there you think so do you think that her going to her funeral was just perfunctuary and she felt like you know i would be it would be wrong for me not to do it yes that's exactly what i think well i i disagree i've been to lots of funerals because you just sort of had to go well okay i i driving miss daisy i disagree so what we watching next week? <laughs> you want to watch like uh, Karina, 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 Karina? Yeah, that's when Whoopi Goldberg goes and joins the wife family and she dispenses sage advice, <laughs> helps them kind of make come to some understanding about the world and life. No. You sure? Because I mean, it's a friendship. (laughs) There's genuine affection. No. Okay. No. Um, I had the the thought of the movie that I wanted to see. Ah. No, and I want to see next. What we gonna watch next? Baby's kids. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Any particular reason? No. Wow. Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, if I mean, I guess Coonskin was in a lot of ways this is our first animated film. Well, Coonskin was animated. I mean, half of half. Yeah, yeah. It was more than half. Okay, all right. Yeah. Baby's kids. Baby's kids. Okay. I think the reason why is because, and I was totally unaware of this, and I don't. I'm not even sure of the title of it because I told you. Tawana loves Tyler Perry movies. So yes. she there was a Tyler Perry Labor Day marathon. <laughs> you know what? You have genuine affection for Tawana. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was unaware that Tyler Perry has done an animated movie. Uh, it's like a Medea movie, right? Yeah. It's like an animated Medea movie. Yeah. 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 Damn stuff. Boy. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that was, I only watched like five minutes of it. That was rough. That was rough. 
<laughs> you know, Lamont Rucker is on Greenleaf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lamont Rucker is terrible. <laughs> like, I keep watching. Because, you know, Greenleaf is like, all right. We've talked about Greenleaf. Yeah. Like, I like Greenleaf. Yeah. Like, it's obviously not Queen Sugar. Right. But Greenleaf is all right. And boy, Lamont Rucker, like, every time he's on screen, it's just like a thud. Yeah. It's just like, and I thought it was maybe the, the Tyler Perry scripts. No. And I'm going, you know, maybe, but yeah, he's, whew. you know what? It's a shame because he's a guy, he has the look. He's a good looking dude. He's, he's got good looking look. dude, but boy, but man, he's, 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 uh, he's wallpaper. He's, it is. He's, and, and like, sorry, bro. I mean, you know, and I know you're probably friends with Dorian. I mean, I'm glad. I was like, well, I guess I can't put him. I on mean, I'm glad he's acting and doing his thing. Yo, you're a working actor. God bless you. God Make bless points, you. And, and like I said, I do like Greenleaf. But, oh, boy. Yeah, man. It's, it's everybody sort of skipping around him acting. It's yeah. like his daughter, his wife, just everybody. And then every now and then they'll have him in the scene with Keith David, and you just sort of wince. Oh yeah, it's like oh, mm. why did he put them together? Well, I guess he's his son, so they gotta have him sometimes. Yeah, got to some once in a while. He's gonna. Yeah, so, so Baby's Kids. We watching Baby's Kids. Interesting. All right. So I wanted to watch a halfway decent black animated. Movie. <laughs> it's not. It's, 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 it, the pickings are few. I mean, I look. What is it? It's, it's, I can't think of another It's Bebe's Kids. It's, you know, you talked about Coon the skin. Tyler Perry thing. Tyler Perry movie. Coonskin. Um, That's it. We decided that the um, that, that film won a black film. I forgot the name of it. The, the one with Chris Rock where he plays a Osmosis white blood. Osmosis Jones. We, we decided Osmosis Jones that's isn't a black film. That's not a black film. He's just, okay. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I wouldn't say that's a black film. You know, I've heard people make the argument that the Goofy movie is a black film. That's like real nerd core right there. Like I've heard people kind of say this is the blackest animated movie ever. So. That's uh, that's racist. Oh, the the, uh, the Frog Princess. We have to do that. The Princess and the Frog. We have to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Star my girl. I've never seen it. It's it it is it's so funny. So so my daughter. What, what are we? We're like, we're like hour three at this point. Yeah. Uh, this is the godfather of the Michonne. My father, my father, my, my daughter went through a, a Princess Tiana phase because, you know, okay. it came out when she was actually a little girl. Yeah, because it, it missed my daughter. And, you know, I've, you know, me, like I was enraged by like, you know, spoiler, like her dad dies like five minutes into it. And then like her prince isn't black. So it's like he's sort of swarthy. And so, of course, you know, it was like, why can't my daughter have a prince that looks like her father and this, that, and other? And I was filled with rage about the princess and the frog and this, that, and other. And then um, my cousin actually said, because the, the, the plot is the dude who is the prince is like the, the, the fifth son or some son where he's technically a prince, but mm-hmm. he don't have any money. Right. And he's actually like, try, like he wants to be a musician, mm-hmm. but he needs a job. <laughs> So he and, and Princess Tiana is like she works hard and she wants to get a restaurant. And, all. 
And my cousin said, now, if he was black, you'd be mad because the black dude is trifling and done work. And, uh, and I said, you know what? You're right. And then ever since then, I made my You're peace. Good. Oh, I made my peace. Trust me. The- don't think they, did, they didn't test market that. Right, right. I Somewhere mean, out there, there is a, uh, a character sketch where that character looks like a... <laughs> he looks like, like Idris Elba. Yeah. But he's like sitting, sloop now, like, like drinking out a bottle. Exactly. Yeah. And they said, it's going to be rough. But Anika Noni Rose. So we can do that at some point, too. We'll do that at some point. But next week. Next week will be Bebe's Kids. Bebe's Kids. All right. All right. (sighs) (laughs) By the time we take out all the curse words, it'll be an hour. Um, This show, as you know, is available on MichelleMission.com as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn, and the CLNS Podcast Network, as well as the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. And a condensed version is available as a radio broadcast on WPPMLP 106.5 FM, Philadelphia and Camden, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. It also streams on their radio signal on WPPM.org slash radio. All right. We got to get out of here because it is long. (laughs) Um, I'm Lynn. He's Vince. And in parting, we say, Lynn, you're my best friend. Now we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>